The Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 The Champ. Interact with the show on Twitter at Hawkeye Huddle and at Hawkeye Huddle 2. And hello again, everyone. Dave Creighton Jr. here tonight at G Migs with Bruce Hollowa, the co owner and, uh, and proprietor. And uh, if you're here at G Migs, you're probably not going to hear us because we, we're. We figured the, the basketball game was a lot more important. Oh, no question. And you can catch us on the podcast anyway at thehawkeyehuddle.com. But uh, Iowa going up uh, against Syracuse, and the game has just tipped off as Bohannon launches a three off the mark. <laughs> and we're off. Yeah, we'll uh, get the rebound. It's going to be a tough game tonight, Bruce. You know, Syracuse with that zone. Syracuse has been struggling against really good teams. I mean, power five teams. Uh, four and three on the year. Iowa five and two, as we know, and uh, a bit of optimism coming from the Iowa basketball program from a fan standpoint. Following the Vegas situation, going there and beating Texas Tech, and then falling late in the second half after having a nice sixteen-point lead against San Diego State, but uh, a good showing in Vegas. I was hoping they were going to play Creighton, of course, in the, in yes. the final. That didn't happen. So, what are your thoughts on? On A, what happened uh, last weekend over Thanksgiving with the Iowa basketball team and how we think that this game tonight might even come out. I love the energy that Iowa showed. Um, They were incredibly athletic and energetic on defense, which is not normal for an Iowa team. So that is a very good optimistic approach to the season is we'll be better on defense. So we'll see tonight. It's a tough spot tonight, you know, coming back from Vegas. I got home at like 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Nothing to do on Sunday. Uh, left yesterday, Monday, to to head out. Or maybe it was, yeah, they, they left yesterday afternoon yes. to head to Syracuse for this game that just started uh, right now. You know, an interesting thing I just saw as the game started, Luca Garza leads a Big Ten in scoring. It's just under 19.6, uh, under 20. He also leads the Big Ten in blood and stitches <laughs> received without question. I believe it's not an official. Without review of, by the way. Without, okay. So I'm out, I'm out of country. I'm kind of following the game on Twitter, and, it, and this is what I'm getting. How is that not a flagrant one? What's going on? And then I, somebody puts up the video of the picture where he takes the elbow. I thought in college basketball at all times you were responsible for your own body. Yes. And if you inadvertently hit someone with an elbow, it doesn't matter. You still hit them in the face with an elbow. Exactly. Is that, is that not changed? Exactly. That is what I saw, and I believe the Nebraska officials did that game right <laughs> afterwards. So they went straight to Las Vegas to finish what they tried to start with Iowa. Yeah, well, no question. And we'll, we'll get to the Nebraska football game here in just a second. Uh, obviously, the Hawks beat the Huskers for the fifth straight time. And six out of seven, if I'm not mistaken, maybe seven out of eight. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. But as, as this basketball game gets going, a quick early 4-3 lead for Syracuse as Wieskamp knocks down the three. Uh, we're prohibited from doing play-by-play, and I would never want to step on Dolph or Bobby anyway. <laughs> but we'll give you updates as, in case you're driving on the, uh, and happen to be listening to us instead of the game. I appreciate that. As I said, you can always catch our podcast at thehawkeyehuddle.com. So the energy was great. The defense was much better. Did they run out of gas in the second half against San Diego State? I think they did. Um, J-Bo especially. 
He was short on everything, couldn't guard anybody. Um, Which I, you and I have talked in the past has not always been an unusual situation. But co- coming off that hip surgery appears to be more apparent. Yes. And the one thing I think you can look at with the Iowa defense, as it's been the last few years, if we can guard the basket, the defensive two-point field goal percentage, if it's good, we're good. And it wasn't good against San Diego State. In the second half. And and you had mentioned to me prior to the show that San Diego State is a very, very talented team. Could easily get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Probably the favorite for the Mountain West. Obviously, Texas Tech in a national championship game last year, it on paper looks like a good win. The question with Texas Tech uh, replacing four of the five starters from last last year's team, the question is how good a win was that? It's right, good now. Right now it's really good. Right now it looks great. And that's all that matters. It, exactly. And, and for the people uh, out there, you know, my friend Trent Condon who hates our schedule and such, you want to talk about a brutal stretch. You've got Texas Tech and San Diego State back-to-back nights off to Syracuse. And on Thursday, or Friday, excuse me, you're going to Michigan, which was unranked and now number four in the country. And then next Monday versus at home against Minnesota. Uh, and then following Thursday against Iowa, Iowa State. State. Um, or maybe that's on Friday. It's on the 12th. It's on Thursday. Okay, it's on Thursday. Thank you. Stop down at G-Migs Thursday night for a jingle and the jangle and the junction. Yeah. And we'll watch the game. And so... Uh, Hawks 7-7 right before the uh, under-16 timeout here against Syracuse. Get on down here at Steak Night here at G-Migs for, I don't know, another couple hours, I another guess. Another couple hours. And Cheesy that, hash brown casserole is the potato uh, oh, tonight. Ooh, hard to pass that one up. That's delish. So, Jordan Bohannon played, I thought, his from what I read, his best game, obviously, against Texas Tech last week. Looked like the old J-Bo, um, but then, as you said, came back down to, to earth a little bit winded and whatnot. Do you think that he should literally try and play this entire season because he's just going to continue to get better? Or should he shut it down after the Iowa State game? Whatever his body tells him. I think he brings the energy that they know um, what he gives them will be good. So I think the teammates love him. There's no question that. He's clearly, when he's on the floor, he's the leader of the floor. We're better with him on the floor. So. Right, right now for sure. Joe Toussaint shows tremendous energy yes. and great, good defense. Great, great glimpses of what we think yeah. is going to be a really, really good player. As we go to the under fifteen, Hawks ten seven over Syracuse. By the way, this is only the fourth time I was played Syracuse. Is it two to one in the series? Okay. The first game, which you will remember. Was in the when Iowa went to the Final Four in the semifinal okay. in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, they beat Syracuse and then they beat Georgetown in the in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. Or maybe it was the other way around. I think it was Syracuse first. Ridge would know that for sure. But that was the first time they ever met, and it's the first time an Iowa team has been back to the Carrier Dome since uh, the football team the football went in overtime. overtime or they had overtime. like double overtime. Had like in my brother. Uh, J.W. Creighton was nine at, at the game. Of nine, nine plays from inside the two-yard line, and, and Syracuse still has the score. So it's the first time the Iowa team has been back uh, to the Carrier Dome since then. Uh, obviously, the Big Ten uh, looking a little bit stronger with Michigan's play. 
over the course of the season. You and I talked about uh, an expectation of wins in the Big Ten play of maybe between can they get over that nine and a half? Can they get to five hundred in the Big Ten? My friends and I did a little over, little. Can they win this? Can they win that? And I think that's a really good number. I mean, it is a few games. It's shocking that Vegas would have a good number on that, right? Yeah. Uh, there are a few games I think that are that are upcoming here that are huge for them. I think the Minnesota game next Monday is huge in order for them to get those those victories. I think we need to take care of home field, home court, home court, um, because I'm not sure this team's going to play well on the road. I think when they get smashed in the face a couple times, they might give up layups. If Luka Garza gets smashed in the face anymore, he's going to end up on America's Most Wanted. I mean, my God, the dude takes a, he takes a beating. His nose has been hit more. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible that it's uh, still on there. So uh, it's, it's interesting, and I agree with you. I always struggled on the road in the past, um, and if Jordan decides to shut it down because his body tells him to, that will really, really hinder them, I think, particularly going on the road. On offense, our defense will pick up, and so it might be addition by subtraction on defensive end, but the big plays down late in the game will not be there. And a guy that you trust to have the ball, not to turn over and go and make eight straight free throws like yes. he did against Texas Tech. You know, that you can't forget how important that is uh, in, in those tight games uh, when you've got a lead by possession or two and the other team all of a sudden feels like they have to foul instead of have to play defense um obviously luke gars has taken a big step up this year and it's exciting to see where he's progressed i mean he's he's such an anomaly in college basketball a true post player yes and and uh but it's it's fun i mean he still steps out. He does whatever, but he is a nuts and bolts kind of guy out there. Yes, and he knows what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be. Um, every game he gets better. That's the best thing I think you can say about him is he never regresses, I don't think. He has some bad shooting nights, but right. he'll yeah, have that. Everyone does that. You know, Jack Nudge goes down with an ACL, and he's out for the year. He might be on the Just Settle seven-year plan. Yeah. Um, I, You know... So far early this season, we hadn't seen a lot from Jack, but I think we all had high hopes. But, you know, more importantly, it, it just sucks for the young man. It does. To blow his knee out after, you know, game six of the season, or five or whatever it was. But nevertheless, so the Hawks, five and two, as we're playing Syracuse right now. Tenth seven as we uh, enter into the uh, second four-minute period, and the Hawks are hanging in there quite well. So let's talk about the football game. It was the Black Friday. Obviously, Iowa beat Nebraska again, 27-24, and almost what was a mirror image of the previous year's game <coughs> where Iowa had gotten ahead. Nebraska stormed back last year in the fourth quarter, this year in the third quarter to tie it up, and then, of course, winning the game as time expires on a game-winning field goal. Obviously, not timing, didn't expire. One second left, so Scott Frost could bitch about yes. the fact that Duncan was waving the finger at him, not the bad finger, the good finger, and blowing kisses to the Nebraska bench for trying to ice him, not once but twice, getting him to kick the field goal and then coming back and nailing a 48, 49-yard field goal in those conditions. 
What a display by by young Duncan, who was awarded with a scholarship after the game. It was fun. Down here at the bar, it was a rather party atmosphere after the kick. The I'm beer sure was flowing, was. so it was it was a good time, had by many. Had by many and had by all. I can tell you at 35,000 feet, it was pretty fun. As uh, we're uh, watching the game on the Wi-Fi, on the phone, uh, the wife sort of entertained there going and i keep going hey you gotta watch this and they my the other dude who was cheering for the hawks goes i mine went out so now i'm holding it up for <laughs> the back half of the last couple rows that we were sitting in to watch and uh nevertheless what a, what a, a great game a great victory for the hawks that's five in a row and you know they talk about nate Staley. we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show nate Staley's not a great quarterback but he has won 15 games uh, when it comes to uh, Iowa, Minnesota, and Iowa State never lost. T- or excuse me, I said 15. I meant nine. Nice. Nine games of, uh, of them and obviously the Wisconsin. But I was now won five in a row against all those teams. So it's, it's a great thing. The trophy case uh, remains the same as it was. Uh, still missing the bowl trophy bowl and potentially a bowl trophy from this season. And we'll talk about that very soon as well. Uh, Iowa's bowl hopes looks to be amongst three. Holiday Bowl, hopefully the front runner. I think that's where, that most, would be fun. That's where most Hawk fans, I think, want to go. The Red Box Bowl in Santa Clara, which I think sucks in terms of a bowl opportunity for a 9-3. Yes. Uh, Rated by the uh, committee is plus the, the projection is against California, which would be oh god a snooze absolutely. fest. Oh yeah, it would, uh, total it would snooze fest. Uh, two offenses that are just horrible uh, going against one another. I was 16th in the uh, college football playoff uh, top 25 this week, and so for a team who's 16th to have to drop down because they played in the Outback Bowl and whatever, or the Citrus Bowl. And in order for that to happen, I think Wisconsin's going to have to put on a hell of a showing. They are number eight in the CFP this week. Penn State, ten. So if Wisconsin would happen to lose a close one, they might go to the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. And then they, we can go to Citrus. We can go to Citrus. So anyway, well, we'll be back in uh, two and two, as Chuck Waller, we like to say here on the Hawkeye Huddle. Come on down. We're live at GMAX. We'll talk to you in just a little bit. Back to the Hawkeye Huddle with Dave Creighton Jr. and Brett Ridge on 1700 The Champ. Real sports talk for real sports fans. Welcome back to Good Lord, I Was Loud. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 1700 The Champ. I'm Dave Creighton Jr. Brett Ridge is out of out of town, out of commission. I'm joined by the great proprietor Bruce of G-Megs. He and George run a tremendous place and I have steak night down here. I'd like to thank our other sponsors, Kozlowski Law, who oftentimes joins me down here for a day of, of debauchery, and uh, as well as the Foundry Distillery Company, and uh, we appreciate them. You have them in the well, don't you, during the yes. week? Foundry Vodka. Foundry Vodka. And, Very good stuff. And the Foundry Corn Whiskey you shared with us a couple weeks ago, and that was uh, delish. Uh, a little fiery, but delish. <laughs> uh, I will tell you, that was wonderful stuff. Tom Caker joining us from Hawkeye Report on the line. We are not going to keep you too very long time, as I know you're watching the basketball game as well. How are you doing, my friend? 
Doing well. Just uh, watching the Hawks and uh, seeing them just take the lead here in Syracuse with a, was basically a limited bench with DJ Frederick and uh, Cordell Tempstall out uh, tonight. So uh, uh, be interesting to see how, how the Hawks can uh, battle through this uh, with, a, with a short bench. Yeah, no question, Tom. We, uh, in fact, just found that out. <laughs> As, as we were going to break, we were like, where's Pemsel? And we did a little research. Of course, uh, we started our show right when the basketball game started, so we couldn't hear the announcers uh, and, you know, give us that information that Frederick and Pemsel are out. But uh, Hawks hanging in there at Syracuse, obviously encouraged by that nice weekend in, in Las Vegas. But you spent your weekend, I believe, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Give us your thoughts on how that game went in the atmosphere there in, in, at Nebraska. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's weird because it was almost like history repeated itself uh, because, um, you know, it played out almost exactly like last year where Iowa jumped out. Sorry, Tom, did I lose you? All right. Well, Tom Caker echoing what I had just said about uh, history repeating itself as uh, the previous year's game in this. Uh, as he mentioned, Hawks up uh, 17-16 at Syracuse about nine minutes ago. Joe Toussaint taking it to the hole, which he has been known to do so far this season. He's been very good at that. And Garza, Oxlow getting no calls is normal. Is there something against the 6'11 white kid? I think just because he's bigger than everybody else that... They think they can do whatever they want to him. Boy, it it seems like that, and and he he's sort of clumsy in in that regard. So when he gets awkward, I, it appears that he's doing more damage, I think, than he actually is. But uh, all right, thank you, sir. Tom, sorry about that. Don't know what happened. You must have got excited and ran into the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, anyway, yeah, we were talking about Lincoln. It just, you know, it was felt uh, a lot like last year, um, just the the way that things kind of played out with the field goal late to win it, and uh, um, Iowa jumping out to an early lead and feeling pretty comfortable, and then Nebraska coming back in the second half and tying it up, and uh, you know it. It's a good win for Iowa. They, uh, you know, had to battle and um, ended up uh, getting the victory. Yeah, no question they did. I, I thought in the second half after Nebraska tied the game that A.J. Epinesa basically took over from his position on the defensive line and just eliminated whatever Nebraska was trying to do. Was that your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I think you could. it's probably fair to say that. Uh that's what he did. He, he was really, um, you know, obviously the most dominant player on the floor on the field that day, and um, and, and he imposed his will on uh, on the game in the second half, and was just uh, you know really good and uh, played with. Uh, you know, he looked like the, you know if everybody was wondering, oh, is he uh, you know going to be the. Uh, the All-Big Ten guy, yeah, that's him. He, he did that, and uh, he did that uh, uh, it, it with a strong performance and earned uh, uh, first-team All-Big Ten honors uh, in the in the uh, 
um, uh, from the media and the, the coaches today. Well, good for him. He certainly deserved it. Um, in fact, his stats this year in the Big Ten games were better than they were last year in the Big Ten games. Geno Stone, second team. Michael Ojemudia, third team. Did they announce the special teams as well today, or is that tomorrow? Uh, they announced the, at least the, the, the place kicker, I thought, and Keith Duncan won that, which you okay. would expect. Uh, as, well, as well he should. Uh, in a tight yeah. race for the Lou Groza Award with Blankenship there out of Georgia. Um, slightly behind in the public opinion, but uh, nevertheless. Tom, do you know how that voting goes? Is that public spot worth like one of the ten votes that they might have? Yeah, it's just one. It's one vote, so it's um, you know it's not uh, it's not the the ultimate decision. So that'll go to whoever the the voters are. I don't know how many people voted in. I used to know a guy who voted in that, uh, uh, so I should probably reach out to him and find out if he knows how many they they have that actually vote. But uh, it's always nice to win the public one. It was, it's been kind of interesting because Blankenship from uh, um, from Georgia uh, jumped out early, and then uh, you know after after Friday, Keith Duncan uh, and the Iowa fans got going on on uh, their website there and and uh, piled up the votes and put Keith out front, and then Blankenship put out a tweet, and uh, Bulldog Nation came out and and uh, put him back in front. And last I checked, he was a couple thousand in front of uh, Keith. I think voting ends uh, maybe tomorrow. So um, I, th- you know, I think one that's more right. Push, one more push from Iowa fans, maybe he'll get him over the top. Well, it's, I tell you, it's tough to stuff the ballot box. I voted twice, once from my office and once at home, but uh, you can't vote more than that unless you've got more than multiple devices, I guess. It might be. But um, nevertheless, Tom, I don't want to keep you too long tonight. You know, this tough stretch of basketball here for the Hawkeyes, coming home from Vegas, out to Syracuse, over to Michigan, back home to Minnesota, at at Iowa State. What would be a reasonable record on these three games? Obviously, we were one and one in Vegas. Boy, the next three are just, it's really tough. They get one. The, the best chance to get one is tonight, I think, uh, against yes. Syracuse. Syracuse is not good. Um, you know, even though I was shorthanded uh, tonight, it's still a game that they could win. Um, Michigan playing really well right now. Um, they've got a big game against Louisville tonight. Uh, you know, maybe they, you know, if they if Michigan wins tonight, they're going to, uh, you know, if they beat Iowa, they'll be the number one team in the country next week. So. Uh, they got a lot to, to play for this week. Uh, and then Iowa State, you know, they're going to be uh, looking to lay the lumber to, to the Hawkeyes in, in that game. So big uh, big stretch. If they get one of the three, I think that would be a really nice accomplishment. And obviously if they were able to get two or three, that would uh, really boast well for their resume. Yes. As, as, it, as it turns out, you know, the committee looks at those kinds of things pretty well. Late in the season, if you could win, you know, good Lord, if they could win two of those, of the not, if they could win both non-conference even and lose the conference games, maybe, I don't know. That, But for their Big Ten Conference, like you said earlier, Bruce, yeah. defending the home court against Minnesota would be huge. Tom, one last question before we let you go. And r- remind us of when signing day is. 
Uh, it uh, comes up December uh, 13th starts. Then. De- December 13th. Talk real briefly yeah. about the kid from uh, Roland Story who flipped from Iowa State to Iowa. Yeah, he's a he's one for the following year. So he's uh, oh he's not he's twenty one. Oh, excuse me, we'll disregard that. We'll talk about him next year. <laughs> so where do you think the Hawks are going to end up in the bowls? Uh, bowl wise, I kind of think right now most likely Holiday and maybe Red Box. There's an outside chance for uh, Iowa to get uh, um, you know to maybe uh, uh, the Citrus, but that would take Wisconsin winning. So much things. You know, I, I it, it's a long shot for the Citrus, but um, it, it's it, you know I, I just feel like the Holiday in Iowa seem to uh, be kind of destined for each other at some point so this might be that point well that would be wonderful i know the hawks would love a trip back to southern california playing the holiday bowl is it four times yeah they played uh you know but they haven't been back since like 91 right but so, played like byu in they tie wyoming san diego state, san diego state. is that wyoming it? Yeah, so they they've been there three different times, and I think the difference in all those three games was two points. Yeah. <laughs> you got a question, Bruce? Before yeah. we let go, Tom. All right, Tom. I'll let you get back. Game Hawks twenty nineteen six forty to go in the first half. We appreciate it. Go check out Hawkeye Report and get all of Tom's information. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Okay. Thank you. All right. That was Tom Caker at Hawkeye Report. Appreciate him jumping in during the middle of a basketball game. Bruce is sitting here trying to watch a game check. The uh, live odds. We now got Michigan. We're looking Louisville. pretty good. We're looking good. Hawks up one, uh, as I mentioned, about six forty to go in the we first half. We have muddied up this game. It should be fine with two players not playing. You know, it's interesting. I was talking about no team in college football can muddy up a game as well as the Hawkeyes. They can take you out of what you want to do offensively, at least in the twelve teams that they played this year, better than anybody in the country. Um, you know, Ohio State still gave up 27 to Michigan, and they scored one touchdown against Iowa. Yes. Um, I was one of only three teams, I think, in the country who have held their opponent under 30 for the last 14 games. Is it 14 or 16? Okay. It's one of those two, but I saw that stat. That's incredible. And the other two are Clemson, I think. Certainly not Alabama. Um, oh, who was the other one? It was sort of somebody remote. like More remote than Iowa? Like Boise. I don't think so. I don't remember who it was, but they're one of only three teams uh, who have been able to hold their opponent under. In fact, the Hawks, the most they've given up in a, in a game this year is 24 points. Uh, obviously to Nebraska last week, and I think... I think that was it. Oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin scored 24 in a 24-22 to 22 loss. Iowa's three, three losses this year by a total of 14 points. I think we could all go back into each one of those games and find 14 points that were available for a team. Bruce, that you mentioned was extraordinarily anemic in yes. terms of their offensive output. And yet I believe Nate Stanley is still going to be third-team All-Big Ten quarterback. So it's a real weird situation. It where was. 
Um, Iowa can't. They can't just run the ball consistently. No. Three guys that ran the ball. Nobody over over 600 yards rushing on the team. That's insane. Or consistently. And every time Goodson got going, it seemed like he'd get nicked or get hurt, and then we'd never see him the rest of the game. Obviously, he had a great run, 50-some-yard touchdown run, and you're like, wow. Yeah. Here we go. There we go. Look at this dude. He's going to be amazing. And Second half, nothing. They call the face mask. I, when you're when you're in here at GMIGS watching the game, are you able to listen very well or you just watch it? Because I felt like the the announcers, Matt Millen and the other dude, who will be, always be known to me as the other dude, were extraordinarily pro Nebraska. Oh yeah, throughout the game, almost worse than the officials. Now this is going to be hard for them to be worse than the officials. So by my count, I got four plays that the the officials completely screwed up. Goodson's getting face masked. Well, but then we get 15 yards on top of that instead of the other way. Nebraska starts the fight, yeah. if you will, and Smith Marset sort of reaches out. I'm not sure that he hit him. I, it didn't really show up very much, and he gets he gets flagged. So Nebraska has two personal fouls. Iowa has one, and Iowa gets called. That was play number one, yes. at least for me. But that's the big one because that oh that it, create, it killed the drive. Well, it became a third and eighteen instead, instead of, of first, first and 10. ten at the fifty. Well, even even if they had called the face mask, which they should have, yeah. and then called the Smith Marset post yeah. post possession, it would have been first and ten right there, right there yeah. where it was. So either way. It took away the ability to get a first down because you went back to, like, the six or eight-yard line. It, or had they just negated the post-possession fouls unsportsmanlike on both teams, then, like you said, Iowa would have had the ball first and ten at the 47 or 50-yard line, continuing into, into and burning clock and keeping the ball out of Nebraska's hands. Uh, that was, a, no question, a drive-killer non-penalty or penalty, depending on the way you look at it. And we'll discuss the rest of that in our final segment as we come back here at the Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 of the Champ. I'm Dave Creighton Jr. We're here at GMAX. Come on down. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Hawkeye Huddle with Dave Creighton Jr. and Brett Rich on 1700 the Champ. Real sports talk for real sports fans. All right. Friends, welcome back to the Hawkeye Huddle. Dave Creighton Jr. You can follow me at Hawkeye Huddle on Twitter. Bruce, well, how can they follow you? Is it better at GMIGS or at Bruce? At GMIGS. At GMIGS. Let's turn you up. Make sure that. There we go. There at GMIGS. At GMIGS. So uh, you can find out what the specials are and whatnot at Steak Night. Come on down. Plenty of time for that. 25 23 Hawks, 250 to go in the first half. Low scoring uh, total in this game was about buck forty. It is down to one thirty four live. One thirty four live. And for those that are interested, that's good to know. And uh, but the Hawks hanging in there now down twenty five twenty six. Tom Kicker says this is the best chance to win uh, with Syracuse being less than spectacular. And Wieskamp with three from the corner. I'm not broadcasting this. I'm just report. I'm just reporting. So, Bruce, and we were talking there um, at the break about 
What were we even talking about? Good Lord. We were talking about the football team. We were talking about the basketball team. Um, tell me what you think that is the most important thing for the Hawkeye basketball team. I, your knowledge of college basketball to me is is really interesting because it's very statistically oriented. It is. And the energy on defense. I think that's our number one key. The, the games that you see, Iowa have energy. We will compete wholeheartedly with anyone in the nation because um, we can shoot. We've always been able to shoot. It's just the games that we give up are when we let the other team shoot, get in a rhythm. Are we Hoosiers? I know you can shoot, but I want you to prove to me you can play defense and pass yes. and dribble. Yes. And the one bright spot I saw in the Texas Tech game that really stood out to me was we went through one stretch in the first half where the the bench were all up screaming at people where to be on defense. Never seen that in Fran's era, that anybody on the bench cared where anybody else was on defense. Right. And they're all up cheering people on. On, th- on the defensive end, not just celebrating offensive plays. Yes. And I think that goes back to action reflect leadership. And I think they know what Jordans went through and everything. And I think this team likes each other. And that will go a long way. No question. That will go a long way. You know, basketball teams... <laughs> The cohesiveness is a very small unit. I mean, there's only 12 of them. There's, yes. And so it's hard to, you, to have a team that has, quote-unquote, clicks, like, you know, us against them or starters versus bench or whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, so that does go a long ways. And, and obviously, hopefully these injuries to both Frederick and Pemsel are minor um, and just, you know, potentially for tonight because clearly against Michigan, I think I was going to need them. Uh, Michigan... Currently down 7-4 against Louisville very early in the first half. Actually, not that early. 12 minutes ago in the first half. Defensive struggle. And that's two teams that will be in contention to go to the Final Four. Yeah, no question about it. And I think Michigan's played the best basketball so far. So we're, what, a month into the season? We've already had four different number one teams? Yes. Um, And it'll keep going. It's going to. The Will a team ever go unbeaten again, college basketball? I think there's chances. Um, with how Kentucky can build a team or Duke can build a team, you've had the Kentucky team, what, four years ago? And the Duke team last year, if they would have had a head coach that could coach during the game, could have went undefeated. You know, you, I think you can because you can build a team without a salary cap. Okay. I have a theory against that, and that is that these are college kids, and in a Power 5 conference, there are too many other good teams. I think the only teams that could ever do it are are a team like Vegas back in the day, where they basically have a conference schedule of 18, 20 games that they're going to be favored by double digits in every single game. Well, even on that, now even those teams are playing all these tournaments like Maui and those that you're going to have five or six games early in the season where it's hard to get through the stretch. But if you had Larry Johnson and Greg Anthony and Stacey Ogden and that, that group, I mean, but, you know, that goes to building a team, to your point, um, and you'd never get that group for more than one year anymore. No. So I just I think that's going to be a very difficult thing. It's been since 1976, as everyone knows, the Indiana team, which was not even the best team, and they beat my friend Johnny Orr in the finals. 
before my time. At, oh, you weren't around 76? Well, I was crawling. I was four. All right. God, you're a young one. I yes. forget that. Riley Till leading the Hawks to a 30-29 to 29 lead with about 30 seconds ago. You got a bunch of notes there, Bruce. You want anyone to spout at me? Oh, not much. Um, Talk to me about the, the statistical items that you think are well, good for the Hawks. Well, the one that stood out for me in football was how great the defense was to support our offense. In Big Ten play, we scored 30 points one time, and that was Rutgers. Game two. Yes. Never had 400 yards offense against a Big Ten team except Rutgers. Game two. So um, to do what we did talks to how good this defense was. And only having one first-team defender, one second-team defender, and one third-team defender even makes it more special that it wasn't like last year's that had a bunch of talent. You know, and, and we were discussing the officials. Uh, that was one of the things we were talking about at the break. Uh, the officials in the uh, Nebraska game. And you made a comment that you believe Phil Parker teaches those defensive backs. So when um, McCarron or uh, McCaffrey another McCaffrey comes in to uh, destroy the Hawks on one play there for Nebraska. They take Martinez out, put McCaffrey in run an RPO, and he throws a dime, 35, 40-yard touchdown pass. But your comment was is that there was linemen downfield, and the reason he was so open, you believe, please share with our... With our I think the D-backs, the way, they're, the way they looked on that play is they knew the offensive linemen were downfield that he couldn't throw, and they went after the ball carrier. So as soon as they went back, they forego mm-hmm. for coverage, he's running, they're beyond three yards, and they went to get the quarterback. That's what it looked like to me. So, another blown call by the officials. And that was number two. You said that Nico Bergani was 50-50 at best. I can tell you, 35,000 feet and five beers in, that was a catch? I can tell you, everybody in the bar besides me thought it was a catch. And I'm very lucky nothing got broken. Okay, that's good. So, nothing did get broken. The targeting foul I thought was crazy. That they took that off. Now, Smith-Marson, I thought, tried to sell it by reaching for his head and scratching his ear. But nevertheless, the dude got hit in the head. He got hit in the head. But let's talk about the stones Nate Stanley showed and the stones that Kirk Ferris showed. What, 35 seconds ago, no timeouts. Got the ball on the 27-yard line. Everybody and their mother in the state of Iowa goes, oh, he's going to run a draw, run a screen, maybe a tunnel screen, see if we can break something. If that doesn't go anywhere, we're going to kneel. And he threw three passes beyond 30 yards. Well, pardon me. The first pass was well beyond 30, and he dropped a dime to Nico. Threw an absolute strike to Smith-Marset, who took a big shot and made a great catch on that play. And then they ran the same play and hit the tight end, Sam Laporta, or whoever that freshman kid. That's I'm quoting Kirk Ferentz here. Uh, on the last one to set up the field goal, and then your all-Big Ten kicker, Duncan, comes in. And just absolutely drills it. That is not something we would have seen out of Iowa football. I can't even remember. First time I recall it since the Alp- or the uh, Capital One Bowl game. We didn't have a choice then. Exactly. So it was fun. It got really rambunctious in here. So it was a good way to end the season. Yeah, that is a good way to end the season. And once we find out the bowl, the bowl game, we're going to, uh, I know we, you and I already talked about having a bowl game special. For the huddle and maybe even something for the bowl game. So we'll look forward to that as well. It's halftime at the Hawkeye game. It's uh, 30-29 Hawks at half. 
I'm going to guess the second half line will be Syracuse about five. You'll be lower. About three and a half, probably. Three and a half. Okay, that's something to, to keep track of here in your in-game wagering. No, not that we're proponents of that, just saying. Hey, by the way, the wrestling team beat destroyed Wisconsin. Nine, nine matches to one, 33 the other night. It was on Big Ten Network. And by the way, Big Ten Network, it's wrestling. Put up a freaking riding clock during the entire match. It's not that hard to do. You got a second. Bring in a third camera. Use your iPhone. Put it on there. It's not that hard to do. Uh, particularly for Hawkeye wrestling matches and Penn State, those fans know what's going on. All right, I'm going to go to the Foundry Distillery. Last call, Bruce. As you know, Foundry Distillery, one of the great sponsors here on the Hawkeye Huddle. We got three and a half games left. I'm going to even extend to the Iowa State game. What's Iowa's record going to be in these? Uh, counting Syracuse, Syracuse, Michigan, Minnesota, and Iowa State. What's their record going to be? I'll go three and one. We finish off tonight, beat Minnesota, and Iowa State doesn't. They can't handle us underneath. Garza will go to town. Wow. Make a note of this. Mark the tape. I'm going to go two and two. I think. I think Iowa does come back, or doesn't have to come back, but continues and wins tonight. I think they do beat Minnesota at home. Michigan's way too much. And I think Iowa State gets them because it's at Hilton. The Hilton magic, the Hilton whatever. But Iowa State is not that good. They're better than I thought. They gave Michigan a good game, so they're they're a lot better than I thought okay, going that's, into the season. Well, and, for they those ran that, out of gas against Seton Hall. They get them again this week, so we'll know more. They get them on Sunday. It's yeah. like, talk about a scheduling quirk. That'd be like Iowa playing Creighton. Yes. You know, after you knew. But they schedule those tournaments yes. after the, they make well, the schedule. Well, how it is, how it goes is when you play in a tournament like that, you can have one exempt game within two weeks. So it has to be on the other side of the bracket, and you can play one of those teams in an exempt game. So what's, so, what is an exempt game? It's part of the tournament. So it doesn't count as your 28 games or whatever you have for the NCAA. So, so it's like a free game. So it's a free game. So Iowa obviously didn't take advantage of that. Yes. Well, I think there's they play all those other teams in the – it's part of that kind of thing. I got you. They usually have like a home game yeah. that's part of the Bahamas yeah. or whatever. I, I understand. Okay. So that, it just happens they're playing Seton Hall after they play them. All right. Well, next week, Ridge will be back with me. I'm Dave Creighton, Jr. Thank you, Bruce. For appreciate you hosting and See appreciate you your uh, taking care of us. This is Hawkeye Head on 1700, the champ.